We're going to um, spend some time in God's Word. Ben's going to come and preach to us, but we're going to read together Psalm 100, or we're going to read Psalm 139. Ben's going to be preaching from Psalm 139. Um, If you've got it on your phones or you brought your Bible with you, uh, if you want to open it at Psalm 139, uh, I'll read it this morning, so uh, we'll go through it. It's an amazing Psalm of David. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord? And abhor those who are in rebellion against you. I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Well, Ben's um, going to come and preach. Actually, Ben, can we pray for you before we do that? You're going to give out to us. You're only here for four weeks. So can we just take a moment to pray for Ben, actually? That's before your ministry and things. So let's just take a moment um, and let's pray as we come to God's Word. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your call on Ben's life, for all you're doing in him and through him. Thank you that he is your treasured possession. Would you continue to fan him into flame the gifts you've given him, to have him the courage to step where you call him and to equip him 
with all good things. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Tim. Can you, can you hear me okay? Is Mike, Mike's all good? Great. Great, great, great. Um, so, yes, um, as I introduced myself last week and as Tim introduced myself, my name's Ben. Uh, I am training for ministry for, in the Church of England at Trinity College, Bristol. Um, and it's really great to be with you uh, this morning. I want to start with a bit of a thought exercise for us. So, you know, make sure you're comfortable. You can maybe close your eyes if that would be helpful. Um, and I want to think, I want you to think of a time or a situation when you felt really understood. Maybe there's a particular person in your life, a really close friend who you just click with and you know you barely have to say anything and they just they get it. Or if we I think if we broaden that that idea a little bit, um, it might be that you play sport and you can think of a time where you just it, it just flows that you're you're on the same wavelength. Um, or you play music and there's that kind of mutual understanding, that sense of being understood as um, that you're playing in harmony. So just spend a bit of time. Um, I'll, I'll be silent for you know, a few seconds or so and just think of an example. So as, as Tim has already said, I want to talk to you this morning about what it means to be known and understood by God. And that is what this psalm is about. That it opens with these amazing words. You, Lord, have searched me and known me. And I also have in mind something which um, some of you might have heard of Tim Keller. Uh, he's a pastor in New York, and he once said this. He said, to be loved and not known is, is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. To be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. We are fully known by God, and this is a teaching which... It gives ballast and depth to the praise and the teaching of God's love. It is a teaching which yields wonder. God knows us really, really, really well. And what is so beautiful about this psalm is that he knows us so intimately and personally and individually. Oh Lord, you have searched me. You have known me. It is a breathtaking thought that more than any other person in our lives, more than any um, friend, even our spouse, our parents, God knows us. There is no intimacy or confidence or friendship that can compare. That includes ourselves. God knows us more than we know ourselves. This God is unfathomably incomparably, even brazenly intimate. 
And twice, the psalmist simply stops in wonder and awe at this knowledge um, that God, of knowledge of the knowledge that God has of us. Notice in in verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. And again, in verses 17 and 18, how weighty to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I try to count them. They are more than the sand. It's, It's beyond us. And I think it's because this consideration of the depth of God's knowledge of us, the way in which God knows us, the way in which we're transparent to him, it's, it's a marker and an indicator of the uniqueness of the relationship that God has with us. It is an indication of the holy place that God has in our lives. Yes, God is a relational, he's a personal God. God is our friend. But this is no friendship that simply exists alongside other friendships. It is a friendliness, a familiarity, which is incomparable. It is unique and beyond our comprehension. And we really find, I think, kind of the root of that idea at the heart of this psalm. Notice verse 13. This God is the one who formed my inward parts who knit me together in my mother's womb. The unique relationship that God has with us is the relationship uh, that stems from the fact that this one and no other is our creator. The psalmist in, in these verses from 13 to 16 paints this picture of our being formed and made in the depths of the earth, in secret, hidden away, hidden from all other eyes, before anyone had seen us, known us, met us, before we ourselves had become conscious, there was God. There was God weaving us into being, looking forward to, even planning our future days. The unique knowledge that God has of us is of one who made us as the wonderful, quirky, unique people that each of us are. But also, there's, there is more here. There is more here. Notice how strikingly active this relationship is, this familiar, familiarity that God has with us. We mentioned briefly that potentially nerve-wracking, potentially dangerous idea of God planning or ordaining our days beforehand, that puzzle of the foreknowledge of God. But it need not lead us to stop short in our wonder through puzzlement or suspicion or discomfort about our own free choice or decision. It is rather the basis of what David in this psalm describes as the hemming in of God, behind and before us, the laying of his hand on us, the guidance of God in our lives, You see, just as God knew us in the darkness and the secrecy of our mother's womb, and more, actively knit us together, wove us into being, so in what often seems like the darkness and confusion of our lives, God sees us, knows us, and more, actively leads us through. 
Returning to that um, exercise at the beginning, I, I don't know what your example was. You know, I can, um, it's not a personal example, but I think of Spain when they play football, you know, just that fluidity. But in that same way, I think, um, in that seamlessness of understanding in sport or music or with that really intimate friendship, in a similar way, I think God does weave together his purposes for our lives as seamlessly as he wove us together in our mother's womb. If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will lead me and your right hand hold me fast. Now, I want to spend some time on the last few verses of the psalm, um, from verses 19 to uh, 24. We're caught up in this rich wonder of the psalm uh, through verses 1 to 18. It shows us this relationship of holy intimacy that we have with God, our creator. And it is, as David says, it is beyond comprehension. It is too much for us. It is wonderful. But then in verse 19, there's a rather uncomfortable jolt. Oh, that you would, this is a slightly different version. Um, Oh, that you would kill the wicked, O God, and that the bloodthirsty would depart from me. How How do we read these verses? How do we make sense of this? I think it might be helpful if we, if we cast our mind back to the story of Genesis. You see, so far we've been thinking about the relationship that God has with us as our creator. But sadly, we know that that was not the whole story. And if we remember in the garden, Adam and Eve, the creation of God, disobeyed God and ate the fruit. But the first thing they did was hide from God. They hid from each other and they hid from God. And ever since then, in our sinful humanity, part of an aspect of our sinfulness is that we hide from God. It is, I mean, when you think about it, it it really doesn't actually make any sense, hiding from God, because God is omniscient. Um, But that's what we do. It's what Adam and Eve did, and it's what we do. And we hide from that holy intimacy for which we were made. And we seek to try and sort ourselves out. To live in a world as if only we knew and understood ourselves. As if only we can manage and establish our own destiny, rather than trusting and obeying God. And so when David turns to these strong words in verse 19 and following, it is, I think, because the truth that he has been meditating on, that truth of that holy intimacy with God, his creator, it only serves to set in an even sharper light, the sharper relief, the, the sin and wickedness, which just is living outside of that truth. It is a living in hiding. But the thing which I find really hard 
um, to swallow with these verses is that they speak unequivocally of death, of the death of the wicked, of hatred against such wickedness. How do we read this? How do we make sense of this? Well, I think we can understand it because the death of the wicked, this judgment on evil, has in fact already happened. And it happened when the Son of God, known and loved by God, his Father from all eternity as his only begotten Son, took on our human nature and lived in the holy intimacy for which we were all created for. And the climax of his own willing trust in his Father and, his, and that obedience to his destiny, the depth of his love for us who had turned away from God, was his willingness to die in their place. The burning zeal against wickedness and rebellion against God that we read in verses 19 to 22 is fulfilled, is finally extinguished at the cross of Jesus Christ. And so the relationship of being known by our creator, this holy intimacy with God is restored through Jesus Christ, through his dying in our place, his rising to new and everlasting life. And with that, we, we arrive at this final, these final beautiful verses. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We are God's creatures, yes, we are fully known as hand-woven, handmade masterpieces. And through Jesus Christ, we are also known as forgiven sinners. Men and women who have turned away from God, even who are wicked, but for whom Christ has died, for whom Christ has risen again, for whom Christ intercedes at the right hand of God. And this morning, the good news the good news is that, and the challenge as well, but the good news is that we are called out of hiding. That is what the psalm teaches us. And that is what we pray. We ask God to lead us in his ways, to walk in his truth, and to surrender Him to him again as our maker, who loves us as his own. Let me pray to finish. O oh Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made us as your own and more that you have called us to belong to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord God, I thank you that wherever we are, um, whatever we've done and whatever situation we find ourselves in, Lord, you know us and you see us. And so, Lord God, I pray that you would send the spirit of your Son into our hearts, Lord, to search us out, to lead us, to recreate us, reform us, Lord, and that we would walk in your ways and in the way everlasting. Amen. <laughs>